0: What's going on, party people? This is Edgar Otra Vez, and welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. Now, today on the show, I have my very special guest, jiu-jitsu black belt, John Lawrence, owner and operator of Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu out in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, if you're new to the show, you know that this is an entertainment podcast. And we do various different subjects on this show. jujitsu being one of them. But we also do fight breakdowns. We do movie reviews. We do pop culture stuff. And any other hot topics that may be happening at the moment. So if you like what you're listening to and you want more of this stuff, head on over to our website, thefloropodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can buy some merchandise and support the podcast. And I want to ask for a solid. If you're digging the show, make sure you like, subscribe, and comment and share wherever you get your podcasts at. So for those of you who are new to the show, John Lawrence is a returning guest and a big student of jiu-jitsu. He is a constant learner and I can't say enough good things about this dude. He is just so smart and analytical about everything. So I hope you like this episode. Now, on with the show. All right, here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Flow World Podcast. I am Edgar Otrares, And today on the show I have a very special guest, Jiu Jitsu Black Belt, owner and operator of the Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu Academy out in Cleveland. I have John Lawrence. Welcome, John. Happy to be here. All right, man. So uh, it's good to see you, man. Yeah, you too. So let's let's get started. It was like I was like we were talking before the uh, the show. It was a big fight weekend in the last couple of weeks. A lot has been going on, but mostly like this past weekend, we had AD, ADCC, C, C, <laughs> ADCC and Andre Galvao lost to Gordon Ryan. And one of the questions I want to ask you was, what do you attribute Gordon Ryan's dominance in this past ADCC? Like, well, do you think it's his age? Because he's only 27 years old. Sure. Do you think his skill set, do you his strength, his height? You know, his knowledge or is there something special, something different about this cat?
1: Well, uh the first thing I always say about him is he's he really seems to be an outlier among outliers. You almost need a You almost need a different word for a guy like him. Mm. He, he. Yeah, if you look at like a normal distribution, like a bell curve, he he's not even close to the like you take the very best guys in the world and they're not even within his range, which is nuts. Like you've really? got, yeah, you've got, um, so who, who was, who is this past, not, not Galvel,
0: but it was, um, Felipe, um,
1: no, so it was Felipe Pena. But then before that, even, I think, I think I want to say Pedro Mourinho was his, one of his super fights, fights, even before that, I might be getting that wrong, mm. but this person was a, a world weight class and absolute champion Mm -hmm. and Gordon just played with him. And to be able to do that to somebody who's already like to, to be world-class like, like Peter, Peter Mourinho is, you're already an outlier Mm -hmm. to be able to clown an outlier. The way that Gordon does, you need a different word for him. He's, he's like as close to a grappling God, as, as, you, as you could possibly get. You
0: know? Jesus, you, you want to call him, you want to put him up that high, huh?
1: Yeah, I think a guy like him, if anybody takes him out, it's going to be him taking himself out. I mean, it's going to be him getting too high in his fame and, and getting into, you know, I don't know what drugs, <laughs> 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 gambling. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, he just seems, he seems to be completely unstoppable. Look what he did to Galvao.
0: Jesus Christ, man! That was that was crazy for me to watch. I was just yeah. like, this guy's got his back. Yeah, he got his back, and he got he got his arm trapped on top of that. And I was just like, Jesus Christ! It didn't.
1: It wasn't even hard. It was. It wasn't even a good match.
0: It that's that's exactly it, right? It, he just kind of like ran through him, and I was like, I can't believe this is happening, you know. But I mean, also, we're talking about Andre at thirty nine. You know, and I mean that's why we have masters and you know master two, three, et cetera. There is a difference between a twenty seven year old black belt and a thirty nine year old black belt i mean wouldn't you agree
1: i would I would agree specifically in the lower weight divisions there There are some huge differences. I think Gordon makes the point of saying that in the the heavier divisions they rely more on isometric strength and tension, basically just gripping and squeezing than they do on footwork and cardio and speed and transitions. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. Um, so I think that you can age better as a, as a heavier fighter and as a heavier grappler, you see this in the UFC as well. You see, you see guys who are much heavier fighting later into their years. Whereas in the rooster weight divisions of both MMA and, and, and grappling, you really don't see Guys doing this into their mid to late 30s, early 40s, just not really a thing. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, So, so I would say, and and we also we can talk about this maybe more in depth, but we can't we can't overlook the unbelievable uh, pharmacological help that that both of (laughs) them, but but Andre Galvao is getting. I mean, anybody who would argue that he is in any way natural is just not living on this planet. Um, no judgment. I'm just saying. Yeah. No, ju- I'm not judging it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying we have to. We have to also acknowledge that, like, that guy is a science experiment.
0: Well, I, I would almost want to say that they both are, aren't they?
1: Yeah. The, yeah. Oh no. I, to be clear, yes, they both are. Yeah.
0: I yeah. mean, uh, I, I can't help but think that they're both getting a little help. So assuming that 100%. The, you, uh, you know, yeah. but uh, now, I mean, so then at least in that respect, the, the playing field is even. Right. I mean, they're yeah. both, they're both, you know, they're both doing their stuff. They're both doing it their supplements. Doesn't,
1: it doesn't bother me, man. I, I don't, yeah. um, I, I don't begrudge either of them yeah. for it because nobody's, they're not even testing the athletes. Mm. So nobody, nobody's even cheating Yeah. Um, because there's nothing to cheat.
0: Well, everybody's doing it is everybody's leveled and there's no cheating, you know? Right. That's the only time when I have a problem with it is if, you know, one person can do it and the other person isn't.
1: That's fair. So what makes Gordon so good was that, Yeah, really cool? I, I think that, I, th- I think he's, so I just wanted to first acknowledge how far ahead I think he is
2: mm-hmm.
1: when it, when it, just when it comes to everybody else. Like I, I like to make that very clear that you've got, you've got your normal bell curve in this range. You have outliers who suck on this end and outliers who are incredible on this end. And then he is off the screen. Yeah, you. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I think with him, I think it's all of it. I think he's obviously a young guy. He's got a good genetic profile. He is on steroids. He's obviously a natural in terms of his ability to, to absorb jujitsu. That's why he's gotten good so fast. Mm-hmm. He's got the best jujitsu coach in the world in his corner.
0: Yeah, Donna Her. Uh,
1: yeah. And he's got, he's got confidence. He's got momentum. I think he has, he's definitely got some type of, um, you know, narcissistic sociopathic, disorder thing going on. (laughs) And and I'm and I'm also I'm I'm not again no judgment. I'm saying that like that also I think can help with combat sports, you know, with with the type of thing that he's doing.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because he does have like a combative like uh personality. It's uh hard to follow him on social media because he says a lot of wacky stuff. And I to some point I just kind of muted him. Just in terms of like his personality and stuff. He's very aggressive i guess and he's hard to like yeah he's hard to like and but like you're saying that's a huge characteristic that you kind of need in order to be in combat sports
1: and also be as successful in terms of in terms of marketing mm. you know i hate all of that that's a that's a, a another maybe another podcast entirely but i'm just uh, i'm not a fan of the social media insincere troll thing that is Popular
0: right now, not a fan. Yeah, that's actually one of the questions I kind of I'm kind of getting to. I, uh, I know you don't want to talk about it too much. If you I know, I, I'll talk. I don't care. I'll t- yeah. I'll... So, so like, I think it was Dean Lister who said, and I I got this from a meme. I, I'm not even 100 sure he sure. said this, but he said that he won't give a uh, black belt to a jerk. Right. Sure. Um, what is your kind of take on that? Like, do you keep your students within a certain moral code? Do you not care about that stuff? Do you do monitor that a little bit? Do you watch their behavior? Does that even worry you? And what do you think in terms of like, is that part of within your bounds as an instructor of Mm jujitsu?
1: Do I enforce a moral code? No, absolutely not. I'm, I'm not a fan of telling people uh, what to do and how to act, but I will. But but the other thing is, there, there's another another side to this. I will be very selective about who I want to train, especially now because I don't. It's not like I need more students to pay my bills and support my family. I'm, I'm in a good, like very good place as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. So I just get to work with who I want to work with, and if somebody is basically if it's somebody that I just don't really want to be around. I don't want to associate with, I don't want to interact with socially. I wouldn't be friends with. And then more severely, if you're an abrasive asshole, if you're insincere, Mm. I I will just choose not to work with you. Mm. I just, I will just just politely refuse membership. So for me, it's like very, it's like very black and white. What I'm never going to do is go up to one of my students and then try to give them a life lesson or some sort of moral correction, Mm. which is unfortunately very common historically with brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts they they fancy themselves as life coaches for reasons that i don't totally understand
0: yeah Uh,
1: and i'm not a life coach i'm a guy who either wants to be around you or i don't yeah uh and if i do and you're cool to other people and you're cool to me and you're not drawing attention to yourself in all the wrong ways like you train in my gym and if you're doing the opposite then i would just prefer you not train in my gym it doesn't mean i i that i hate you um it doesn't mean that, you know, I wish uh, I wish bad things for you. I just I would just prefer to not be around you. And then so by default, I'm not going to be giving you black belts or training you. Yeah, you know? it's very simple for me. But I would never tell anybody I'm not interested in te- in trying to influence how people live their lives. It, it's, yeah. it's not interesting.
0: It, you get to a certain level of success and, and position that you get to a point where you can do that, where you can say, you know what? I don't need to hang around this person, this person. I don't like this person. This person makes me feel a certain way, or I don't just don't like the look that this guy is bringing to himself. And if you have that ability, you know, it's, it makes sense to not be around this person. You know?
1: Well, I, I would also say this might be like insider business tips that I shouldn't give out to the competition, but I actually did that from the beginning. I did that from day one. When we oh, had, wow. Yeah. Yeah. We, we even, even when, even when it really mattered to like from a business perspective to have that monthly payment coming in or not, I always got rid of weird uh, abrasive people because mm-hmm. it's, it just, when they, when they talk about gym culture and you talk about a culture in a Petri dish, you know, a germ culture, it really is the same thing. If you have two germs, if you have like, like two bad bacteria, two bad germs, they, they multiply to four to eight, to 16 to 32. And then eventually you've got a bunch of assholes training at your school because yeah. assholes attract more assholes. And that's just the way that it is. Yeah. Um,
0: so also, we, it we is sorted whole- that out from the beginning. That's, that's fantastic, man. Cause that also poisons everybody else. Like even you can have a person who's not going to be an asshole, but you put them around these assholes and he becomes an asshole. You know, it's just
1: I agree with that. Yeah. 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 People, people influence each other. Mm-hmm. I would say that you're, that you're, you're going to be, you're always going to be like the people that you're around the most, if that makes any sense.
0: No, that makes absolute sense. Absolutely. But also, you have the power, especially as an instructor and a person in, in front of people who, who people are watching and learning from. You don't have to necessarily tell people how to live life. They're going to watch I have, you.
1: I have no interest. Yeah. No, I have yeah. No interest.
0: But also, like like you're saying, there are going to be people who are looking for people like yourself who live a certain way, who conduct themselves a certain way. And so they're going to gravitate to you. So as you're getting rid of what you don't want, you make room for the people that you do want, you know. So yeah. I think I, and I think that's that really speaks to your success at your gym, too, because, I mean, I, I see those pictures, man. And I've been to your gym. That's there's a lot of people at that place. It's fantastic.
1: And I think more importantly, there's a lot, a lot of good people. Now we could talk about what a good person is, I suppose, but there are just a lot of people that I enjoy being around. Mm-hmm. I, I, would, I would say that. Yeah, let's maybe just take the judgment of whether or not they're good people off the table. But yeah, I, there are a lot of people that I, I enjoy training with. It feels like a, a very positive clubhouse when you're there, mm-hmm. you know.
0: How did we get here? <laughs> well, we were, we're t- talking about like the uh, influencer type behavior where you're uh, antagonistic and trolling and all that stuff.
1: You know, I've maybe, I don't ever think I've had to talk anybody off that ledge. Any of my students, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think, at least I'm not aware of, I I don't cruise the uh, Instagram stories too much. So maybe I'm missing some things, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it is weird when you, when you get into a situation where people are literally walking around wearing your, I'll use a gross word here, your brand, which Mm is, it just is what it is, your logo, your gym gear, and then they're they're out in the public eye. I mean, there is some strange, they have like a tie to you now and they are in some very low level way. They're like, they're, they're advertising you. So if somebody wears, is wearing a hurricane shirt and then they, they start a fight at a bar while they're hammered. It's mm-hmm. a bad look. Yeah. You know, so.
0: So going down that path in terms of like uh, the type of people that you want to keep around. I see that you recently promoted Darla. Uh, what's her last name? Sedlasic? Sedlacek. Sedlacek. Okay. Um, I apologize, Darla. <laughs> she
1: always says, think of send, send the check.
0: Se- oh, okay. Sed- <laughs> oh.
1: She said that to me the first day I met her. I was like, I got it.
0: <laughs> That's very clever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, obviously she seems like a force to be reckoned with, yeah. uh, you know, at least from conversations with you and from what I've seen on Instagram, I don't know her personally, you know, but I've, been curious, one of the reasons I wanted to go to your gym was so I can have conversations with her and see what kind of person she's like. But she mm-hmm. seems awesome. And you gave her, you awarded her a black belt. Congratulations, Starla. Yep. Yep. Is this part of what you're looking for in a black belt, a certain type of person, not only just in the skill set, but also like in other traits of their personality, or is it just here's the skill set, you have it, here's the belt.
1: Yeah, she is without I mean, without overstating things too much. I mean, she's really the perfect student. Mm. Um, the one thing about her well, this will funnel into the conversation about like just how to get good at jujitsu. generally speaking
2: mm.
1: she comes from you know in her sort of previous lives like she is she's gotten to expert level in other things than mm. jujitsu. now that's her story that i will you should have her on your podcast actually it'd be really cool
0: i would like to actually okay um, i'll hook that up all right and cool, that'd be great she's achieved
1: expertise in other things in her life and she had an understanding coming in of how to become excellent at something
2: mm. i
1: think that's that's one of the main things that sets her apart and so she came in really with the perfect attitude and the perfect mindset to get get her black belt in 8 years to the day and wow. she's proven You know, even if you just want to set the time aside and the hours aside that she's got in, um, she's proven competition, you know, at her, you know, her relative level in terms of, uh, weight class and and age and gender and skill. Like, you know, she is, she's done it. Yeah. So I think coming in with an understanding of how, how to get really good at something was a big part of it. I would also say that she did what I would advise anybody to do, which is like, okay, what do you want to get good at? Okay, you want to get good at let's just say boxing. What do you want to do in boxing? Do you want to, you know, you want to win a golden gloves? Do you want to do this? Like what you need to do is you need to find a coach that has gotten people to wherever it is that you want to go. Okay. And then you need and then you need to like fully invest your time and your and your trust in that person and like, you know, she did that. I she never told me that she wanted to be like a world multiple times jiu-jitsu champion. Like she never said that. Or Mm -hmm. I mean, at least she did. What I mean is she didn't say it like early on. Um, At least I don't remember her saying that, but if that was in her mind, you know, I mean, she, she found a coach that had uh, a strong background in competition and she just did everything that I told her to do. I mean, it's really simple when it comes down to it, but like, that's what you have to do. You have to find a coach that, that is is able to get you where you want to go and then you need to just trust them do what they say
0: yeah Um, it's it's funny that you say that she just did everything that you told her to do yeah it's just funny because that seems so hard for people it's it's impossible
1: (laughs) i don't know i don't know why but like yeah out of the hundreds of people that i've had come through my gym she she's done it the best yeah but i've only had a handful of people do it at all yeah you know there's something about hot take here.
0: Get ready. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, women are easier to train. That's the other thing too. I'm, ta- I'm I want to be very clear train in a martial arts context. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, it's really like, like they don't, they don't come into the combat sports training room with this preconceived notion that like I can handle myself. Like they don't do that. Yeah. Um, the way that, the way that men do. And I have, it, it seems like it seems like you have a really hard time, like getting men to generally getting mm. men to sort of like come along and just do, <laughs> what, do, do like do what you, you know, it was always like, it was like, oh, like, you know, there's that. I know you showed this move, but like, can we do it this way? She has never done that. yeah you know I mean? She's never done it.
0: Dude, I get that all the fucking time uh, when I was teaching. There's always some dude I was like, well, what if what if he does this? I'm like, well, then I would, you know, do this, and then what if he does that? I'm like, well, dude, now, now we're not doing the move anymore. Now we're doing something else, you know, like
1: something else is the problem. Yeah, uh, and I want to be clear. I like that environment where there's like a lot of questions and a lot of what ifs. In fact, I'll even say, guys, like, give me the what ifs. What if they do this? Wait, like, like, give it to me. I want to hear it. Like, this yeah. is the time to really challenge the technique. So I'll, I'll, I'll very, I'll very clearly state that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like. I guess what I'm saying is like I, I would have other people where it's like, you know, I'll show I'll show a sequence, and they're just sort of reliably the person who's trying to like navigate their way into their own waters. Like it's like I'm showing a takedown, mm. and they're trying to like spin under for reverse daily heap. I'm like, we're not even in the same ballpark right now. <laughs> and, and which 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 occasionally is fine, especially if there's like a competition or something coming up, and they're. Mm. Sharpening a specific skill set, but like it's it's a habit. I'm also not a fan of blind loyalty and allegiance to coaches. You know, mm-hmm. I said before, I was saying before, like you know, Darla just like did what I told her to do. I think that I think that coaches can often abuse that. You know, uh, so you also you also have to really kind of watch out for that as a student. But yeah, I mean. I think like if you can take the martial arts context out of it for a moment, like strength, strength and conditioning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: my entire life, I've been sort of, you know, air quotes, doing my own thing in the gym. You know, I don't know why I was doing that for so long. I don't know a goddamn thing about strength and conditioning, mm-hmm. but as a guy who grew up around weights a little bit, it's like, you know, I, I got this, like, I, you know, I know, I, I know, what to do. Swing a kettlebell, do a squeeze that. And the past several years I've dedicated a lot of time to working with a very skilled trainer. And the more that I've just like given myself over to him and just listen to everything he says and don't try to cloud it with my own bullshit, I realize every day, oh, I didn't know shit. Mm. I didn't know I didn't know I thought I did. Yeah. But I but I actually the more I train, the less I feel like I know. Mm. If that makes if that makes any sense.
0: No, no, I I completely understand what you're saying because you have someone who's not only uh, educated in in that specific area but they dedicate every day to working in that area so i mean just like you as an instructor of jujitsu, jitsu you spend all your work waking hours you know or at least working hours on jujitsu. jitsu you're only going to be that much better than a person that doesn't do that all the time so that makes sense i mean you're, you're getting you're getting help from an expert um but uh, what what is it that you think it is with men? You, I, I, I'm not sure it's just men. I think it's just like if in my, and this is, I have very little like evidence of this, but I'm thinking if you got a group of women, women are going to be antagonistic towards the leader. Right. And if you have a group of men, the men are going to be antagonistic towards the leader. But I, I want to say that men are, just i i guess you're right i don't i don't, have I don't find that
1: to, what we what you just said I, mm. I don't find that to be the
0: case no we've
1: got we've got a we've got a really big women's program
0: and yeah they're, and they're, they're not, not antagonistic towards no, the. no no
1: no, no. They, they they respect darla a lot um and like i said they're like they also do very well at competition because they just there's just there's just a reduced ego mm. they're with and again it's you might not find that if you go to like art school or if you go to uh, dance school, but when it comes to like combat sports, yeah, men just have this sort of default setting that, that they, I'll put this on myself. I remember the first time that I called about a jujitsu les- lesson, mm-hmm. you know, a long, long time ago, I felt the need to let the guy know that <laughs> I had done some wrestling And I had like a little bit of boxing experience right now, how that is relevant to the conversation of starting your first week of jujitsu, please tell me, (laughs) (laughs) but but I just felt, I felt like I had to tell the guy. And then years later, I was like, man, what a fucking loser. (laughs) Why did did I do that?
0: dude?" I do this. I did the same thing. I think I did it to you. I think I did it to you. I remember telling you, "Oh yeah, I just you know, I just I came in last two weeks ago. I was at the Golden Gloves and oh uh, god, (laughs) (laughs) and and uh, I don't remember what your attitude was. I think you just were like, okay, whatever, you know." Uh, which is, I think the general kind of like, you know, you didn't roll your eyes. Thank you for, (laughs) but I do remember, uh, telling you that I think everybody does that. Everybody goes through a little bit of that because they want to prove, oh, you know, I'm athletic, you know, I'm going to pick this up like this. Watch me, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and just, just in case like anybody's listening to this, like who trains my gym and they're feeling like attacked right now. Um, I, I like 99 point, I, I really like being around 99.99999% of the people at my gym like it, it's a great group we have awesome students I'm super appreciative to mm-hmm. everybody who trains with us um but people like people really do get hung up on this idea this thing of like you know like hey how can I get better like how can we fast track this mm-hmm. and given where they are they're in an environment where if, if you want to become a champion or a world champion or whatever like the table's set the food's yeah. on the table, like it's all there. And I say, look, you just show up, get a good training schedule together, show up and do what the coaches tell you to do. Mm-hmm. And this seems to be like a totally disappointing answer for people. <laughs> you know. And I'll and, and I, and I I'll inevitably get questions about like strength and conditioning,
2: mm-hmm.
1: ice baths. And I saw you have that sauna at your house. Like, do you think I should sauna two, three times a week? You know, what about What about kettlebells? What about this? What about that? And I, and I, and again, going back to Darla, like she's never asked me about anything except jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like she's never asked me about strength training. She's never asked me about sauna or recovery or hyperbaric chambers or no sexy stuff, right? Just day one, she walks in. What do I do? I don't know if she asked me, what do I do? I think she just knew I just need to show up. And do what this trainer who I trust mm-hmm. tells me to do. And eight years later, she's my first white to black belt. And she's the most accomplished competitor I have at my gym. So, so like, there's the blueprint for anybody listening. Like if you want to get really good, <laughs> show up and train and listen to the coaches, like yeah. that's it. And, and then we'll talk in,
0: you know, five to eight years. I love what you're saying there. It's just, it's, it's really simple. You're right. It just show up, put in the time, listen. You know?
1: there's, of, there's just a lot of distractions, you know, out mm-hmm. there. I think there's more distractions out in the world now than ever, you know, with social media. Like, did I just, I just, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm just now recently finding out about this guy, the liver king. Do you know this guy?
0: I've heard the name. I do not know much about him. I, I recently... I, I don't remember where i heard it i think it, i think they were talking about it on one of the recordings for the adcc yeah so that's kind of that's
1: how it a couple of my students had mentioned him before mm-hmm. and um so it was kind of like peripherally on my radar mm-hmm. and then i guess yeah i guess this knucklehead showed up to adcc like not wearing a shirt was cruising around taking pictures of people with people uh-huh. um, you know seems like a nice guy whatever but So I go, okay. I I get to see, like, why is everybody talking about this guy? So I go to his Instagram and I start to go through some of the comments on his posts. And it's genuinely disturbing to me because people are saying to this guy, his shtick, by the way, is, you know, he he eats raw liver and raw meat and sleeps in the grass and fine. (laughs) Um, So but the comments on his posts Mm -hmm. read something like. Liver King, you know, how do you feel about uh, spirituality and psychedelics? Uh, Liver King, how do you feel about like how you should manage your money? What's the best way? Liver King, how do you feel about God? Now, if you're asking the Liver King, how do you feel about God? <laughs> and, you're lo- and you're looking for a guide like here, you know, these are like these people are lost.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: there's just so many, there's so many distractions. There's so many guys out there like that where they just go. You know, like guru shit. Like I, I have the way, this is the way nobody's discovered this way yet, but this is, this is the way it's like really like, so the, 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 the way to being well is, is sleeping in the grass and then eating raw organ meats every day. And then apparently, um, going out in your backyard and, and sunning your balls. This is like a thing like, like, you know, you need the vitamin D man. I, I ju- it's just, there's no market right now for just bland balanced living. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a- everybody's looking for this, you know, but p- there are people looking for these like salacious, like shortcuts. Like, you know, you wouldn't believe it, but I felt like that this, this one thing, this one weird trick, mm-hmm. you know, you wouldn't, but, and I'm going to, I'm going to share it with you. There's, there are no shortcuts, you know?
0: Yeah. And <laughs> it's weird because you have these people who elevate themselves to some kind of status or get, you know, some, some amount of perception or whatever. And they instantly have the answers, not only to the one thing they, they claim they have answers to, but they have the answers to all of it. Right. I think it was early on uh, when I had you on the first time, you made it a point to say that you're not looking to be a life coach. You're not looking to be like a thought leader or anything weird like that. Like that was something I kind of made sure I kept in focus when I do the podcast, I am not any of those things. And I do not have a right to tell people how to live or uh, how to work their money or any of that stuff. I, I want to be entertaining. And when I can, I want to be informative, but a thought leader or some kind of guru, I, I make sure that I don't get lost in that. Cause some people, they get to a point and they do want to be that they, they, they think, Oh, well, you know, I'm a black belt in jujitsu. Now I, I have the answers to everything, you know, uh, or I am, you know, a millionaire and uh, I've managed to well, millionaire millions doesn't mean much anymore. But, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I got money now. I'm, you know, I know the answers to stuff. I like how you've always been really kind of centered and thought about. I don't want to pretend to be something I'm not. Um, but why do you think why do you think that people look for that?
1: I, I don't think I actually I was painting it as like a new thing. And I, I actually don't think it's new. I mean, people have been people have always looked for magic pills. You know, um, it's it's not it's I'm sounding like a crotchety old man saying, like oh, kids, <laughs> these <laughs> days are just looking for a shortcut. <laughs> you know, people have always been looking for shortcuts. Yeah. Um, the shortcuts now are just they're just so compelling. Mm. And, and the shortcuts are coming like in terms of these social media figures that have these very, very carefully curated news feeds, um, these pictures, these videos, these, these three, four, five things you have to do to live, you know, live a filled life. Um, you know, these, these, these five easy things that you wouldn't believe it's just, it's packaged up in such a consumable way now. Mm-hmm. And it has the ability to go viral in a way that like the guy, the carnival barker, didn't have a way to go viral, you know, back in the 1850s, you know, because mm-hmm. people are still selling snake oil and magic pills. It's, it's not new. It's just new in the way that it's able to spread and, and, and take hold, you know?
0: Yeah. And, and why do you think that people are looking for those easy answers? Is this just laziness? Yeah. People um... want
1: to be, yeah. People, we, we want to be efficient. Like we want, like it's, it's actually good to find the shortcut. It's a good mm-hmm. thing. You know, if you can actually find a legitimate shortcut, but when it comes to something like jujitsu, the only real shortcut is finding a coach that you trust and, and then investing, investing your time with that person. Like that's the shortcut. Mm -hmm. And it's still, it still takes a long time, even given that, you know,
0: I I have to admit um, I've been having trouble finding a good gym and uh Cleveland, man, let's go get over here, dude. <laughs> my wife was already said we're not we're not moving to Cleveland. Like, oh why not? On, you know, just like maybe maybe I rent a place out there, and she's like, You're not renting a place, dude.
1: Either. I'll let you teach some 4 30 a.m. classes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that'd be great for for my relationship with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, like um, but yeah, no, it's uh, finding a coach that you can trust is a little bit of a problem right now. Uh, I live in the suburbs, and the one of the best places uh, that I've seen so far is Pika which is out in Aurora. Sure,
2: sure.
0: But they are a good thirty minutes away. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: and uh, that during the school week with my kids makes it very difficult. But um, I'll figure it out. The the thing is, is that. I've bounced in and out of some gyms here and there looking for a place. And I have to admit, man, it's kind of hard to find a good place. There was some places I've been at. I don't want to badmouth anybody. I, I sit there and I'm like, I can't help but question the technique. It's for various reasons, but half the time I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'll never use this. Like, it's not part of my game. It doesn't, it doesn't fit. doesn't kind of make sense. A little too many moves in it, you know, it's just. So, I, so can I,
1: it's really, it's a really important point you're I'm making. So can we just hit the brakes there for a second? Yeah, go ahead. I hate to, I hit your interrupt, but I just did. Um, go for it. Yeah. So like, basically what you're saying there is that whatever the curriculum is, it's not aligning with your goals. Mm-hmm. Like, which is, I think a really important point to make. Like, i well, I go back to what I said before, like you need to find a coach that has has done the things that aligns with your goals. You need to invest in that person. Now, if your goal, just as an example, is to develop like a well-rounded uh, a well-rounded game, maybe with emphasis uh, of like uh, being being able to impose your will and get on top for say like a self-defense context. Like let's assume let's just assume that's your goal. Might not mm-hmm. be. Um, then if the if the coach is like extremely focused on uh, you know, like spider lasso or like inversions, um, then like, they're just not, they're just not teaching, uh, in the direction of, of the goals that you have.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That might be the perfect coach for somebody who wants to do really high level competition. And that's the only thing they care about. Mm-hmm. Right. But for you, I mean, you just kind of set it right there. You look at this, you go, I'll never use this. Well, why would you never use it? Because maybe it doesn't align with like, you the, the goals that you have laid out in terms of the game that you prefer. Is mm-hmm. that sort of a fair for, for I,
0: That is absolutely kind of true. And like, for example, uh, inversion, for example, is something I would never do. Um, my bag won't allow it. Okay. Uh, and I just prefer a game that where I could possibly not get hit in the face. So uh, self-defense, I guess, is part of what I'm looking for. Ultimately, my goal is quite simple. Just get the black belt and be a a good black belt. You know,
1: what does that mean to you? What is a good black belt?
0: Okay. So that's a good question. Let me put a pin in that. that. Okay. But one of the things I wanted to illustrate, and again, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but for example, one of the things that bothered me about one of the places, and I went through several places, um, uh, they were teaching takedowns or throws. Okay. But they were teaching a no-gi throw in a gi.
1: No-gi so throw in a gi? Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: So okay. they were going for um, uh, something where you basically go for like a tie-up, right? A wrestlers tie-up. Sure. And all I could think about is, is like, nobody's going to let me get here without posting out on the, on the collar first. They're going to okay. grab me on the collar. I'm never going to get here unless – I, you know, I get really good at, you know, swimming in here and, and trying to get that tie up. And I had a real problem. And uh, I asked the instructor, I was just like, oh, well, what do you do? And I'm trying to be nice. Like I don't, and he was very nice. He he wasn't like mean or anything. But, you know, I, I said to him, like, what do, what do we do if the person grabs me here first? And it was kind of like a non-answer. He was just like, yeah, well, you just go like this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's not going to, that's not going to work. Like that's this place is not going to work. Right. Um, yeah. Because this, is this wasn't just one occurrence. I had my, my kids there at one point and my kids were like, we're not using any of the stuff they're teaching us. Mm-hmm. You know, cool. like, like we're just, we're just, we've been using the jujitsu that we use, we're using from before and what you teach us. Uh, and uh, that's, that's been working okay in the class. So uh, just in general, like I feel like the, the moves were, not applicable to what I felt I needed to be in terms of being well-rounded. But if I were a Nogi player, just a Nogi player, or if I was someone who was looking to be uh, in MMA, I think that place would have worked perfectly, right? Uh, Because then those those moves that he was teaching, they make sense, right? Uh, I think in terms of MMA, that place would have worked. And that's not what I was looking for. Going back to what you were saying. When I say I want to be a good black belt or a well-rounded black belt, I want to be I want to make sure that I know how to throw someone in the gi uh, that I know how to compete or fight in the gi and use moves that are applicable in the gi. Even if, even if they're moves that are not for me, you know, I still want to know about them and know that I have faith in the moves that I'm learning. Also like when it comes to Nogi, same thing, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing things that make sense for the attire that I'm wearing or the situation that I'm in. And uh, uh, although that place would have been going back to that school, although the, the the Nogi stuff would have been very applicable to that part of my game. I was missing the other part where the Gi doesn't get, addressed in the way that I, I know it work. So I might be wrong about all this. Right. But then in the end, that, that thought was bothering me. This is like it, half of this, the stuff is never going to be something I can use.
1: I think in that circumstance, you definitely did the right thing, which is you got a vibe and people are really excellent at picking up on vibes. They don't like vibes that make them uncomfortable. Uh, and then you, you sort of just separated yourself from the situation. And I have no problem with that. We have students who for various reasons leave on their own and it, it's not, sometimes they leave and they, I think they feel like I'm going to be upset. Um, mm. and I never am like nobody is the perfect coach for everybody. If that makes sense, there's not a coach out there. That's the perfect coach for everyone. So so people will, will leave from time to time and, and go somewhere else. And that's exactly what you did and what you should do if you feel like for whatever reason it's not a fit. What you should not do is remain at a school where you don't really have faith in the coaching staff, but then like sort of stay and do your own thing and don't really stick to the, uh, to the protocol and the curriculum. Like this is, this is probably the most counterproductive thing you could do. You yeah. Know? It's much, it's much better to just, to just go elsewhere.
0: Yeah. That place was like uh 10, 15 minutes away from me. It was very convenient and I was, oh, was having the kids. Yeah. I have the kids training there too, or I had them there. And it got to a point where it's like, when the kids were like, we don't use the stuff they teach us. I was like, oh, fuck. Now we're all wasting our time, you know, Mm because at one point I was just sitting there. I was staying there and doing exactly that, like not exactly going along with the class. I do the moves and I did like and it wasn't like I wasn't trying. I was just like, how do I fit this into my game? How do I how do I make this work? I wanted to stop myself from being critical. You know, I'm sitting here. I was just like, I'm in a new place. I'm being an asshole. I'm not, maybe maybe you were, (laughs) maybe I was, you know, I was just like, I'm not accepting uh, the instruction. I should just stop being an idiot and overthinking stuff and, and just use what they, what they're giving me, you know? And I tried.
1: Yeah, maybe There, there, there have definitely been, I can think of several techniques that when I first felt them and I first learned them, I was thinking this feels very awkward and I don't see this fitting into my game ever. Yeah. And a few of those techniques are now like my A game.
2: Mm. Um,
1: so like, there is also this fine line of like, you have to give discomfort a chance um, in, in uh, and also like you, you do have to like have some faith in like certain techniques. Um, yeah. There, there, there are a couple that really, frankly, I thought were like fake moves that, <laughs> that, that I now like, I now employ in full resistance Competitive situations.
0: What are what are one of those uh, moves? You
1: know, we had um, Peter brought this guy in one time. Uh, his friend from Brazil, his name was uh, Pedro Duarte. Um, you you were probably around for this, but he did some did some seminar seminar style classes at night where he showed what now I would maybe consider to be a bit of a crude version of a side smash position mm. or a, uh, some people call it, well, uh, let's just call it side smash. Cause that's how it's referred to mostly. Are you familiar with this?
0: No, this- I'm not. Um, so, can you describe it a little bit? So imagine, imagine that you're
1: standing, um, you're standing above like sort of an open guard and you step your right leg into the middle. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now to your left side, you've got your knee slide pass, right? Your knee cut. So, yeah. so, so that's on your left side, right?
2: Yeah. But
1: if you fold the hips in the opposite direction, if you fold the hip, if you step your right leg in and you fold the hips to the right, mm-hmm. if you can fully fold and sprawl on the person's legs and knees, their hips are going to be smashed to the side. This is commonly known as like a side smash position. Now Pedro Duarte showed this, um, and he was a big dude, and he was he was definitely doing some like some big dude things. When he was showing the technique, and at the time I was like 145, 150 pounds, and I couldn't get people's legs to move Uh. the same way he could, and so I I did. I wrote it off as was kind of fake. Um, Then I got back into the position years later, uh, and I just realized that I just needed to make a few, a few hand and hand placement and body adjustments, and and now it's a core part of the way that I pass guard. Um, so it went from like, this is fake to like, this is my A game uh, in a matter of years. So it, it can happen.
0: Mm. Changing subjects a little bit here. I know you didn't see this. Uh, we talked about this before, but I did want to ask, how do you stop an explosive wrestler? And the reason I bring this up is because we saw Hamzat Chimaev fight Kevin Holland and UFC 279 a couple sure. weeks ago. Sure. And he... Uh, he just exploded all over this guy. Now, to be fair, at least from what I saw, I, I thought it was a little dirty because uh, Kevin Holland came out for the hand tap. He yeah. went tap gloves. Oh, God. And uh, you know, Chamayev just faked the, the tap and then shot on him. Ooh man, that's messed up. It was a little dirty. Like he he went to he, he looked like he was going to tap gloves and then he just shot on him. And then Kevin Holland was just from you know working from behind at that point he was he was just trying to keep up with uh, you know Hamzat's wrestling and he at least to from what I from where I was sitting it was terrifying the way this guy was all over him he was just just wrestling and it was amazing so I have to ask how do you stop a really good explosive wrestler or chain wrestler in this, in this respect.
1: (laughs) I think what you're, what you're, the question you're asking is how do you stop a superior grappler? (laughs) So like, like you don't. (laughs) So so let's, we, I, I'd I'd love to break that down, but yeah, people often draw this, this false distinction, I think between wrestling and jujitsu obviously they're different uh, and they're different in terms of their rules specifically. And that is that, that's why I think you see some of the differences that you see. So like the first thing is that guy's probably been wrestling since he was three years old
0: probably. Um, I and wrestling know. with bears or something. Yeah. yeah. No,
1: I don't know. How old is he now? I don't know. Uh, he's a younger guy. I think he's like 20 something. Okay. So let's just say maybe he's got 20 years of wrestling experience, right? So you've got that, you've got this guy with 20 years of wrestling experience. And then maybe you've got a guy with, you know, 13 to 15 years of jujitsu experience. I don't know how much experience Kevin Holland has. Kevin
0: Holland is a black belt.
1: Okay. So let's just put him at, let's put him at 15 years. All Mm -hmm. right. So maybe he's behind a few years in terms of training time. Um, But also I complain about this a lot. I've complained about your podcast a lot. The, the incentive structure behind a wrestling rule set and the incentive structure behind a brazilian jiu-jitsu rule set are totally different Mm. and the incentive structure behind a wrestling rule set translates much better to mma yeah much better so if you're asking like basically what you're asking is like given the context of 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 their their match you know it's an mma fight um the is it is is he Belarusian? I was gonna say the Belarusian
0: Russian. He's 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 Russian, yeah. But he was, was I guess he, he grew up in Holland or something.
1: Yeah. Like oh okay, okay. Yeah, the the Russian is just is trained much better for that rule set. He's been training around like the right incentives as they funnel into MMA. I mean, he's uh you know, he's he is incentivized to force the action to the ground where he's gonna be in top position and then be highly aggressive from there whereas like if you're if you're only if your grappling background is brazilian jiu jitsu and you have a certain culture at your gym and you go to certain competitions you're just you're not going to be ready to compete with somebody who's been training under like a wrestling incentive structure you you're not going to be able to compete well with that person they're just a better grappler for MMA, there's better. I think if I think over the next ten years, if you saw a major overhaul in the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu rule set, I think that these diff this like wrestler versus BJJ guy problem. I think it goes away, mm-hmm. or I think it gets it really gets diminished. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that's the problem. Is like in Jiu-Jitsu, you can have a world champion, a world black belt adult champion. Who doesn't know a single takedown. That's a problem.
0: That is a problem.
1: You're not going to get that in wrestling. You're not going to get a world wrestling champion. Who doesn't know any takedowns. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just randomly pick two people from each category, the wrestlers are going to have a better go than MMA every
0: time. So just in just talking about um, uh, and just uh, kind of like from what we've seen, we hypothesize on this podcast that Chimaev. Is afraid of jujitsu to a certain oh, extent. So right. he he's a purple belt, but he also, like we're saying, he's got years and years of experience as a wrestler. And uh he had a lot of trouble with uh he he seems to be ducking certain people who are like high-level jujitsu players. Uh I believe he had a huge problem with Gilbert Burns. Okay, sure. Just in general, like it seems like he's ducking that. And so I think. And, and this is just about Chimaev, so not necessarily about wrestling, but there seems to be some kind of hole in this game that he's aware of, that Chimaev is aware of, and he doesn't want it exposed. So uh, there's a lot of shit talking about him and, and ducking legit jujitsu players. And uh, that's one of, like, the theories. Uh, it was why he didn't end up fighting the ideas.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, that could be. Um, and I do think, like, a really aggressive aggressive bottom game, which that almost, you know, it can sound maybe like a, uh, you know, a bit of a paradox, but like, yeah, having like a really aggressive uh, submission and sweep oriented bottom game, you know, you, you can, you can definitely nullify a guy like that. Mm -hmm. Like I said, many jujitsu competitions and many jujitsu schools don't incentivize the ability to dictate where the fight goes, dictate where the match goes. Mm-hmm. And they also don't necessarily incentivize like a really assertive bottom game, specifically specifically from close guard, making sure that the posture is always broken, the person can never touch your face, and then just relentlessly chaining submissions and sweeps together. Uh it's a chill spot for a lot of people. I hate where the Brazilian jiu-jitsu rule set is right now. I think it could go the way of taekwondo over the over the next 10 years if we're not careful. I thought a lot of the ADCC rules were, were shit over the weekend too.
0: Oh, really? So yeah, no. I, I, I had a hard time understanding what was going on there. What the first five minutes, there's no points.
1: Correct. Yeah. Well, depending on the, the um, that was, I think that might've been the format for the,
0: the, the, the final. And like, I think yeah. it was for the final in the competitions that Gordon Ryan was in and in the super fight that he had with Gabal.
1: Right. Yeah. So it was a 20 minute first period and it's like, 10 no points 10 points um i'm really not convinced what the perfect rule set is i just know that there's a whole lot wrong with pretty much every rule set that's out there right now they've Mm -hmm. got they've all got major problems i mean are you familiar with like the ebi rule set
0: oh yeah Yeah, we've talked about this before yeah i I like well you're talking about like uh Oh, I'm sorry. So, are you talking about the uh, the one where not they fight to, each other?
1: Not fight to win. I'm talking. about... No, that's 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 combat jujitsu. Okay. Which I actually think, it out of all of all the types of jujitsu you could train, that's going to funnel the best into MMA for sure. Because they're hit, they're basically punching each other. Right? Yeah. What I'm talking about is the EBI rule set, where this was touted for by you know by guys like Rogan and Eddie Bravo as like the best. You know the best grappling rule set which it has turned out to be not at all mm. um basically you have a tent you have you have a, a, a first period i think it's like a 10 minute period often where uh, it's no points you know and then they just decide who is sort of the more assertive person and then they put you in these they put you in spider web. they put you in back control they put you in mount so basically people have just started to game the rules where they just want to just do enough to win the first period or get through the first period. So then they can just be better in the spider web position or be better at back control. Um And like, that's where everybody's trying to get, they're just trying to win in overtime. Yeah. So yeah, I mean the perfect, the perfect rule set is just not out there right now. Not yet.
0: You know? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't like it when people just, trying to game the system and just trying to win by points i i I mean i guess nobody does but you should be trying to win like you should be trying to go for the submission you should be whether it's mma jiu-jitsu whatever you should be trying to get that other person knocked out choked out whatever you know i i hate it i don't like it when people try to game the system it's just yeah just like they're not trying to win they're just trying not to lose
1: Well, but you have to tell me though, like if I'm in the finals of the Pan American and I'm up two points and there's, well, let's say I'm up a lot. Let's say I'm up, you know, let's just say that I'm up and I'm in a position where I could, even with, even with accruing penalties, I could stall out and I could win the Pan American. Mm -hmm. Tell me what my incentive is to open up.
0: Yeah. No, no. I, I completely understand, like, because I mean, whether you were trying to win or just, you know, trying not to lose it, in the end, if you win, you get you get the medal, you get the, the glory, you get the win. But I mean, I don't know, man, uh, it's not how I want to win, but that's that but I'm
1: saying put yourself in that situation.
0: I understand. You know? I completely understand right
1: and i've I've been i've talked about this before i've been at the one of the last tournaments i was at i had this i i was up i think i was up like an advantage Mm -hmm. which is you know nothing and but i just it was a couple minutes left and after feeling the guy in my closed guard i go well this person does not have the ability he does not have the skills to open and pass my guard like my guard game is just ahead of his closed guard breaking game it's ahead Mm -hmm. so all i have to do is conservatively off balance and attack this person for two minutes and I win. It's a guarantee. Like, where's my incentive to, to open up and really go for it? You know, like it has to be a uh, self-imposed incentive where I'm like, you know, like I have a goal of hitting X amount of submissions this year. Yeah. So that, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's really tough.
0: Yeah. And yeah. And I don't know how you, you make that happen. With change the rules, yeah. You, I yeah. mean, you can change the rules, but like, I think we've had this conversation before. It's just like people will just find a different way to game it, you know. It's got to be a way, there's got to be a way. <laughs> 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 um, so, uh, talking about going back to Gordon Ryan, uh, Andre Galval, who's like we said, 39 years old, yeah. uh, talked about he, you know, in his post fight interview that he had like a torn meniscus and uh, an ACL tear of some kind. And, you know, Gordon Ryan also said, well, you know, I'm, I'm at 70%, you know? Right. Uh, how often is it that athletes actually, you know, compete without being injured? And do you ever step in to stop them and be like, Hey, you know what? You, you shouldn't be competing in that or with that injury.
1: Yeah. I think that's a complicated one. Um, I'd say in my competitive career, there have definitely been times where I've put like a roll of tape on my ankle and just pushed through. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to know that you can do that, like that you have the ability to do that. It's also something that I would never do now. Um, So there's like, there's a balance to it. Um, I would also say that if I had a pre-existing injury like that, those comments would never see the light of day. Like people, people would never know. Especially like after I lose a match like that,
2: mm. uh,
1: I think that I think in in Andre's case, I think you either you either cancel the match or you don't make those comments post fight. But what you don't do is have the match and then like say all the things that he said. I thought that was, um, I thought it was very, like, it sounds sportsmanlike because he's being very polite and he's being very humble, but it was unsportsmanlike.
0: Mm. Yeah. Cause you kind of diminish the win, right?
1: Yeah, of course. That's all, that's, that's all that you're trying to do is diminish yeah. the win.
0: That's, yeah.
1: the, that's That's the sole purpose of you making the comments that you made.
0: Well, I mean, is it, do you think it was coming from like himself, like trying to like protect himself, his ego, or was it because he wanted to hurt Gordon Ryan when he was saying that? <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, probably, maybe a little bit of both, but probably just, you know, signaling to his team, uh, and his fans that, you know, he had not been injured, he could have done, you know, maybe a lot better. It's, yeah. it's, it's obvious to anybody paying attention, that that's what he's doing.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's not a good look, right? No, um,
1: it's, it's not. I mean, it just like just <laughs> you just can't do that. <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's it's not an admirable thing to do.
0: No. Yeah. And in in training though, you probably have to tell your partners, hey, look, I got I got this injury, I'm trying to make it through this thing, just watch this leg or watch this arm, or but I mean, aside from that, you probably wouldn't tell anybody then, huh?
1: But I, I've gone into matches bad, like like not banged up but injured with Mm -hmm. like things torn Mm -hmm. and I've lost and I'm not going to tell you or anybody else, which matches those were
2: Mm -hmm. ever.
1: You know what I mean? I mean, obviously like my close friends be like, Oh yeah, I was messed up for this one. But like, yeah, I'm not going to make that announcement to my students and to my, my friends and family. Like you just eat it, you shake hands, good game. We'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Like you don't, you don't make that public.
0: Yeah. um. But also, like, how many times did you go in a competition injured and still win? You know, like, I mean, that happens too, right?
1: Yeah, I think those are okay to talk about. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, because, like, it's like, what's the assumption? You won. And so then if you were uninjured, you would have won better. I don't know. Like, it's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not a problem. Those yeah. Same ways. yeah, but that's happened a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that happens a lot. I mean, the first time I, I fought, I, you know, I fought with a broken nose broken ribs and i still won you know and yeah. it's like my favorite story to tell as you can yeah tell. of course Absolutely. <laughs> yeah but like it's just like uh but it's different you're right it's you know but in terms of like your injuries you said something really interesting you said that you taped up that ankle and you went through it anyway and you competed but you would yeah. never do that now why why was it okay then and why is it not okay now
1: I think, I think it's important, like to realize that you have a deep mental reservoir that you can access if you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, But in doing that, like you also put yourself at like some unnecessary risk. Um, I know that I can do that because I've done it. And now I don't have to prove that to myself or put myself um, at that type of risk anymore.
2: Mm -hmm. You know?
1: And and you also have to make the distinction between are you banged up or are you injured? You know, we're at a certain, after a certain amount of years pass, we're all banged up. But if you're injured to the point where you are structurally compromised, like something could give that, that is, you know, that's a reason to not, to not compete. Or if it's, Something that is affecting your confidence in a really meaningful way. Like maybe you have like a really deep, really nasty bruise mm-hmm. every single time somebody, like, you know, like you ever get these like deep shin bruises from like a checked kick or something? Yeah. I got one of these right now. Yeah. And it's just like fireworks every time somebody touches their shin against mine. <laughs> um, so it's like if something like that's really going to like affect your training and your confidence, mm-hmm. then and your mind is not there, you either need to get your mind right, or you need to, you need to, to, to just postpone.
0: You mm-hmm. know, it's, it's funny. Cause uh, there are certain things where I'm like, Ooh, that, that's, that keeps me from going to the gym, but things like, sure. you know, like you're saying, like a bruise, like a check kick, for example, or like a bruise on my, it, unless it's split open, I'm still going, but like, sure. there are little things where, what is it? I got this finger. This finger, it's funny cause I'll, I'll go to the gym with a, with a giant bruise on my shin, but if this finger acts up, you know, I got, I got a ring finger. That's a little funny,
2: but
0: it, if that acts up, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to use this hand. I don't want to do anything. You know, like I, it's, it's funny cause I am probably sillier about certain injuries that I shouldn't be than I am about the others. Like, so do you, do you have someone to help you say, Hey, you know what? you probably shouldn't be rolling, you know, like with that, you know, giant lump on your shin, you know, or do you just, do you not confide anyone in that? Or do you just, or you think you have a good like idea of what is okay and what isn't?
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm, I'm missing a lot is just having like a coach Um, because I, I do still compete and I don't really plan to stop anytime soon. Mm. Um, I really enjoy it, but I don't have like the closest thing I have to a coach is like, uh, my strength and conditioning coach, you know, like that's very much like a student teacher relationship. Mm-hmm. That, again, I just, I show up and I do exactly what he tells me to do. Everything's yes, sir. You know, we're going to get it done. Um, but on the jujitsu side, you know, I I've certainly got like high level instructors and students to bounce things off of and troubleshoot things with. But ultimately there's, there's like a social dynamic, I think where people aren't telling me what to do or how to train. Even if I go and like take one of their classes, that's not really happening. I do miss having a grappling coach. You know Um, it's so nice to just be able, even when I take other, other instructors classes, it's so nice to show up and just be a student and just keep my head down and not talk to anybody and drill. It's very refreshing. Mm. Uh, so I know I don't I don't have that. Um, that's that's a big challenge for me.
0: So it's interesting that you uh, you bring that up because one of the things that I've been thinking a lot lately is eventually, you know, because this is what this all leads to is eventually you have to become your own, your own sensei, your own teacher. Uh, everybody has to grow up to a point where they have to leave home, be you know, become their own adult. There's all that part of it, Sure, but there is, there is a simplicity. There is something nice to having someone that you can go to for advice. Uh, and in this case, like you're saying to, to have a coach, what is it about that? Do you think it just takes off a little bit of the pressure of always having to be teaching Or is there something else there? I mean, you're, you're saying that part of it would be to have someone like we're talking to tell you, Hey, you know what? You probably shouldn't be training with that. Is that part of that? Or is there something else that you think you need from a coach at this point?
1: A coach will make you do the things that you need to do that you don't want to do Mm -hmm. and that you wouldn't otherwise do on your own. So again, I, I draw the, uh, the strength and conditioning analogy, because again, like that is the only coach that I have right now. Um, we were, we were in there the other day and we're doing like banded stance walks and we're doing these, uh, like single leg, like, um, uh, like, like hip elevation exercises, very boring. Like I just had hip surgery rehab type of stuff.
0: You know, are you you serious?
1: I'm not, saying, I'm not saying I had hip surgery. I'm oh, saying okay. like it's what is, is often recommended for people who need joint stability in their hips and their knees. Okay. Uh, for me, it's the knee because I, I popped my LCL in January. Um, so we're just doing this basically rehab, prehab stuff. And I'm just sort of laughing to myself going like, I would, you know, if I program a lift at my house, None of this is making it in. (laughs) Um, But meanwhile, as the months pass, I get stronger and stronger, and my knee feels is starting to feel pretty reliable. And um, my absolute numbers, like on my weight training, are all going up. Uh, So I'm getting like objectively stronger as far as weights go. So, like, I'm just doing what he is telling me to do, and everything is getting better. Now, if I was just coaching myself, you know, doing the classic college buy, try, push, pull, split, you know, I'd just be, I'd be treading water. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's what a coach does. It's like a coach, a coach in the jujitsu context says like, Hey, I know I know you want to work your, um, you know, your daily heave balloon sweep, but um, you know, like your half guard passing sucks, you know? So we're going to work on that instead and so, half guard, high half guard passing is just not nearly as dynamic or as fun right mm-hmm. but yeah that's that's what a coach does coach says like it's not it's not about what you want to do it's about what you what you need to do to get to to achieve the goals that you said you wanted to achieve you know
0: that's so, a coach. so you're saying that uh Part of what you kind of wish you had was uh, a perspective that you wouldn't have uh if you had a coach so like if you have yeah. a because yeah. they're gonna they're gonna see they're gonna notice like you're saying that your your half guard passing could be better right and you wouldn't necessarily see that because you may not be realizing it is is that part of what you're saying or
1: it is and then also like even more insidious there are things that you do see but
2: People, yeah, people
1: just, yeah, yeah. People just are, are comfortable. Like I can tell you that the weakest part of my game it, it, and I, I have a pretty well-rounded game, but the weakest part is my back control. Mm-hmm. Like I should probably only be training drilling, taking the back and finishing people from the back. It's the, it's, it's my weakest area. Um, but if I am given drilling time, inevitably it is not what I work on. You know, now if I had a coach, who could see that weakness in my game, who was at my school and could say, you know, this is what we're working today. Like that, that is the function of a coach, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So um, Mikey Musumichi, he says that leg locks are not a thing anymore. Basically mm-hmm. he says okay. that, uh, you know, yeah. the, the leg locking game has kind of leveled out. And everybody's learned them. And so now we're back to just jujitsu, right? We're back to not just a leg lock centric game that now that everybody, everybody knows how to defend them and use them and, and whatnot, that, you know, they're, you're back to just doing other things and trying to find a new,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I guess, trend or something. Uh, Gordon Ryan, you know, attacked a lot of legs this past weekend. Do you think that's still true or uh, what do you what do you what's your opinion about the things like leg locks, for example?
1: As I recall, I just because we brought up Gordon Ryan, he finished two heel hooks over the weekend.
0: I, I I believe so, but like he he there was the threat of the legs a lot, though. You know, he, yeah. he I don't think there was a match where he didn't threaten the legs.
1: So I actually think those are two different things. The 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 the, the threat of the legs because it's like often you get into positions where you could threaten the legs and you're also constantly threatening a sweep or a back take. So, like mm-hmm. that's th- those things are different. The one heel hook that he finished, not against, um, uh, not against Rodriguez, but against, uh, I can't remember the other guy's name was like, it was straight up fake.
0: Um, it was which one, like the one where he <laughs> finished like in 10 seconds. That was bullshit. Yeah. That's the one you're talking about.
1: Yeah. That one was bullshit. That guy, Panic tapped. Um, He there was no reason for him to tap in that position. Now I'm not saying that he wouldn't have gotten chained into a stronger position later in tapped. I mean he Uh certainly might have, but that guy, that guy was like legitimately. um, He just faded in the shadow of Gordon Ryan, and Gordon hooked his heel. He had every opportunity to roll with that, that submission. And he just didn't take it. Um, that was a straight up panic tap and, and anybody who understands the leg lock game intimately uh-huh. would agree with that. If you watch the replay, um, it's an outside heel hook off of a reap. Um, not necessarily like this, not necessarily the strongest position for a finish. The guy didn't even attempt to roll out. Like didn't even try. And he had, he had every opportunity to do that.
0: Okay. So, when I saw it, that's how I felt. I, I'm like, did, did he even put this, like, I didn't even see him like actually hook the heel. He just like, he yeah, seemed he like he, yeah. he did. It just seemed like it happened so fast. I'm like, did, did he even get a chance to crank or, I mean, of course you don't want to like sit there and let someone crank on your leg, but I, I felt the same, but also, you know, I, I don't know what, it just, it was confusing to me because it didn't seem like a very strong attempt. It wasn't. It wasn't. And uh, I,
1: think it was, I think if anything, it was an attempt to get the guy to do what Galvao did. So, so Gordon against Galvao, he, and I, I taught the sequence like last week, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. He, he pulls himself into single leg X and he, there's always a combination of threatening, threatening the leg and then threatening the sweep. In this case, he hits the double ankle sweep against Galvao and Galvao tries to run away from the double ankle sweep. Now people also try to run away from, from the heel hook threat. Mm-hmm. And in both cases it's used to come on top. Yeah. I think Gordon Ryan was probably assuming this guy was going to turn and run from the heel hook threat. And then he was going to work his way on top. Yeah. And this guy, as soon as his heel got hooked, I mean, he just, he turned, he made a quarter turn to alleviate a little bit of the pressure and just tapped. Um, now I'd be terrified if I was in Gordon Ryan's heel hook as well. Yeah. But if I'm a heavyweight and I made it all the way to ADCC, I mean, I, I, I you know, that is a, there's a legitimate role out there. Watch the replay. It's right there. You know, yeah. he just, he, he, didn't do it wide. Maybe he had a knee injury. Maybe he was just so impressed and overwhelmed with being in there with Gordon Ryan. Like, I don't know what it was,
0: you know? Yeah. 10 seconds though, man. Or was it 10 seconds? It was fast.
1: Like 11 seconds.
0: Yeah, it was ridiculous. I uh, I think the guy's name was Victor Hugo, is that who it was? No, that's Points. Submission heel hook, uh Roosevelt Suaza. That
1: was Roosevelt, yep,
0: yep, yep. Okay. So he's got so at this weekend he got a submission rear naked choke, he got the uh, points, he got two heel hooks and then he got the rear naked choke on Galval. So
1: you get, so you get as many rear naked chokes as he did leg locks and one of the leg locks was bullshit. So- yeah. Um, and he most he mostly takes people's back and strangles them. That's yeah. mostly what he does.
0: Well, yeah, that's exactly kind of what he did. Like you're saying, he he threatened that heel hook. Uh, Gavial turned, and yeah. then he jumped on his back. Right. And then it was kind of just a slow death from there. Yeah. But uh, dude, man, that was that was amazing. I, I just I couldn't I couldn't believe that Gavial couldn't get out. And then he got his arm trapped. And then it was just slowly he was working around that neck.
1: Now to go back to what, what Mikey said about leg locks, like, you know, everybody sort of figured them out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, that's a tricky one. I, I think like, so historically like leg locks were, you know, frowned upon, which I've always found hilarious,
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: but they were. And um, because they were always frowned upon, they always had this sort of like underground rebel vibe to them. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I think, um, I think, I think now I hope this is the case that they, they're not really mostly looked at like they're, they're not looked upon that way anymore, but people fetishize leg locks in a way that I, I, I don't totally understand, like building your entire game around leg locks. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm super into leg locks. I'm pro leg lock. I teach white belts, how to heel hook. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a very important part of grappling, but I don't, I don't fetishize and worship them the same way that I think some people do.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, it's very, like, it, it just seems to be, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it, it, it's part of the game. It's, but also like, if you build your entire game around it, like it's, um, you know, you're just going to be totally incomplete grappler. And like my thing, like what the goals and like the direction that I want for my school is I want people who are good everywhere. You know, I want you to be good, like good, good in the gi, good without the gi, good on top, good on bottom, good with takedowns, good with guard pulls. I want you to be good everywhere. Even if that means that you're not incredible anywhere, I want you to be good everywhere. That's my, that's my goal for anybody who, who gets black belt with me.
0: Hmm. And that was one of the questions I, I wanted to ask. I think, uh, and that I asked a little bit, like, what do you look for in a black belt? And, uh, in terms of technique, you, you want to see them not necessarily great at everything, but good everywhere. Good enough, right?
1: I, yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, that, that's that. Really, it's very simple for me. I think well-rounded is is important. I, I tell this short story often, but for me, it was like very powerful. Um, some people say, like, you know, why like why train in the gi? You know, like just as an example,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you might just as easily say why train no gi. But like why train in the gi? Because when I was a kid, I'd wrestled enough to like feel like I can handle myself, like rolling around with my friends. And then after hockey practice, one day I was wearing like, you know, like sort of like a um, Letterman style jacket, you know, I was messing around with one of my friends and he wasn't even really my size he was maybe smaller than me. He, he grabbed my jacket. And he started shaking me around mm. and um, I don't know if he'd like ever done judo or if he was just doing it instinctively, but like, I just felt like man, I got to get this fucking jacket off. Like this is, I, I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I feel, I feel so vulnerable and so lost right. I can't do any of, I can't take him down. I can't grab a hold of him. So maybe a bit of a childish story, but like, that was my, that was the first time I realized, like, as soon as you add or subtract like an artic- article of clothing, everything changes. Hmm. Um, but I would say the same thing to the guys who like live in the Gi, you know, I have people who like, you know, maybe a few students who like have never done no Gi. And I'm like, you're, I'm not giving you a black belt. You're not getting it. Wow. I I won't, I will. If you only ever train Guy, you are not getting a black belt from me, you
0: know? So then let's kind of riff on that a little bit. Who wouldn't you give a black belt to? So like, not who, like a person (laughs) exactly, but what's, what is missing for a person to not be awarded? Uh, Let's say he's, he's spent all the time he or she spent all this time with you. And, you know, like Darla, let's say he's been around eight, 10 years. Right. Uh, But he still hasn't gotten the black belt. I guess there could be a number of things, but what would be like the one thing you'd be like, Oh, you really need this if you want to be a jujitsu black belt.
1: I, I, again, I just think it's the, I mean, I think to a degree, it's the well-rounded thing. Um, But also, I mean, if somebody's floundering that bad, after so many years, they probably just don't have a place at my school,
0: you know? Ooh, Um, really? You think that that's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think, um, and again, not for any malicious reasons. It's just, Mm I, I just, I just want to work with who I want to work with. Um, I want to work with people who are like dedicated and sincere in their intentions. Um, And that could even be, you know, that could even be somebody who, who wants to train casually. Like you can actually train, you can, it sounds like, like a a contradiction, but you can train casually in a serious way. If that makes sense. Like I have guys who I know have no aspirations to like um, compete or own a school or anything like that. But these guys are like steady two days, like two days a week, they come in and they are serious about jujitsu, you know? And to me, that's like, that's dedication, even though, you know, they might not aspire to, to be anything great. They might have expectations to get their black belts in like 15 to 20 years. Like that's cool. You mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess for me, there are so many things that could disqualify you. I wouldn't even know where to begin if it's somebody who actually is showing up. Yeah. I just, I think you need to be well-rounded.
0: Mm. So um, that's about, it for right now do you have anything else you want to add before we uh, get going
1: no not really uh i would just plug uh darla one more time and say if to, to have if to have her on your podcast um because she uh she's a better talker than i am for sure mm-hmm. and uh given the right questions you know you guys are going to be able to probably do a do a couple podcasts honestly but no man i mean i think we throat sore i think we covered covered a
0: lot <laughs> yeah dude thanks so much for coming on dude like these are always great yeah and i would love to have darla on i think i think she's a really interesting person at least from where i'm sitting you know from conversations with you and yeah, yeah. instagram and stuff like do ever, every,
1: do like three like three person podcasts because i mean she could certainly do her do her own but i think it'd be kind of fun to like get everybody go too
0: that'd be good cool. that would be great like i would love to do that Like you know, that would be I think probably the best too in case uh in case I mean because I'm not a psychologist or what is she a psychologist or uh...
1: she is, yeah. yeah.
0: So like I may not know the psychology of like sports and stuff, and that is definitely like an area I want to kind of like navigate with her. Yeah. So like if you want to be on, that would be great, because then we can all kind of participate and try to, you know, get some of these answers out. Okay, done. Cool. So anyway, thank you so much, John, for coming on. Uh, We have John Lawrence, black belt in jujitsu, head instructor of Hurricane Jiu Jitsu out in Cleveland. If you guys want to check it out, make sure you go to his website, HurricaneJJ.com. And he's also on Instagram, which I believe is also Hurricane JJ. Hurricane, I, think
1: it, I think it might be Hurricane.JJ. I'm not sure though.
0: Okay, Hurricane.JJ. One those, of those. Don't worry, I'll have all that stuff in the description so you guys can find them. Uh, anyway, thanks so much, guys, for listening. Thank you, John. And we will catch you next time. The music you're listening to is titled I Won't Be Turning Around by Rooser. You can find that over at Epidemic Sound. Now Epidemic Sound provides royalty-free music for a low monthly cost. It's a great resource for any content creator. If you're tired of using the same old music, make sure you check out the amazing catalog over at Epidemic Sound. They have reggaeton, hip-hop, lad music, uh, rock music, they got it all man, so make sure you check it out and if you do, make sure you use my referral link in the description so that they know that I sent you. man. As always, I get so much out of these conversations with John, and I hope you did too. It was great to sit here and talk about some of the ADCC stuff that happened over the weekend, and it was just a big fight weekend. There was just so much going on. Canelo won against Triple G. There were some amazing fights on the Fight Night card at UFC, so there was a lot going on, and it was nice to get to talk about some of it with John. Now, if you're interested in training with John, he has a wonderful facility in Cleveland, Ohio. It's called Hurricane Jiu-Jitsu Academy, it's amazing there I've been there it's great and he's an amazing instructor as well if you want to check him out make sure you hit his website hurricanejj.com and you can find him on Instagram at hurricane.jj. He's constantly posting stuff there, and I love seeing all that content that he throws out because I'm always learning something from him. On occasion, he has amazing shirts, too, so check out his merchandise as well. Nothing but good stuff there. Now, if you want to follow me, Edgar Otra Vez, you can follow me on Instagram under the name Edgar Otra Vez, or you can follow the show under the name The Flow Roll, also on Instagram. And if you dug this show and you want to listen to more head on over to our website, thefloralpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes and a store where you can buy some merchandise and support the podcast. Also, I have a special section that you can find. It's just jujitsu-based stuff, so you can click on there and listen to jujitsu-based content. I got a little nifty little uh, playlist you can check out and you can listen to all the jujitsu-related episodes. Also, I just want to give a shout-out to Darla Sedlacek. Congratulations on the black belt, well deserved. I know you train very hard. I see those postings. you are always on the winner's block. That's so cool. Now, if you like the show, I just want to ask for a favor and make sure you like, subscribe, comment, and share wherever you get your podcast at. You press all the buttons that make the podcast gods happy. Thank you so much for listening to Zergo Traves. We will catch you next time. Behave yourselves later.